This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Christian Credit Counselors. If you're struggling with credit card debt but don't know where to start, our trusted partner, Christian Credit Counselors, offers a debt management program that can get you out of credit card debt 80% faster while honoring your debt in full. Contact them to get out of debt today at ChristianCreditCounselors.org. We always want what's best for our children, but sometimes what's best for them and us isn't always clear. I'm Rob West. How often have you heard someone say they want their kids to have things they didn't have? It's part of the American dream. Today, I'll talk with Art Rayner about how that can lead parents into debt. Then I'll take your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, we're delighted to have our old friend Art Rayner with us again today. He's the author of The Marriage Challenge, a finance guide for married couples and a regular faith and finance contributor. Art, great to have you back with us. Hey, it's always an honor. Thank you for having me. Art, a lot of folks, as you know, struggle with wanting to give their kids the best chance in life and yet not break the bank while doing it. Uh, You have an article on faithfi.com titled, Six Things That Can Lead Loving Parents Into Debt, and I want to get right into them. So what's the first one? Sounds good. The first is keeping up with the Joneses, trying to maintain the lifestyle of those around you. Your neighbor or coworker dresses their children in a high-end clothing, and so you want to do the same. Or your neighbor yeah. sends their children to a private school, so you decide to follow suit, even though you can't really afford the cost. The yeah. Joneses are a frustrating crew to chase because they're always <laughs> shifting the standard, right? Yes. As soon as you feel that you have arrived, they move it slightly out of reach again. So we need to be careful here. There will always be other parents who spend more on their children, but they may be using debt to finance it. You could be chasing a facade. All right. So don't get trapped into debt by keeping <laughs> up with the Joneses. I love it. Number two. It's one you might not think of. Spending time on social media, the images that you see on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever, are simply the filtered versions of those that you follow. The constant barrage of great vacations, child accolades, and perfect family moments can make you feel like you're a bad parent at times. You can easily create unrealistic expectations and try to buy your way to feeling better about yourself. Yeah, the best version of someone's life on social media has certainly added to the comparison trap. All right, that's two. What's number three? Yeah, so this one is easy to fall into. Thinking your kids won't succeed in life if they don't have it all. You know, Mm. extracurricular activities have entered a whole new realm. Travel leagues, academic and athletic camps, and private tutoring have become just a commonplace now. Unfortunately, there's a cost to all of these activities and experiences, eating up time and money. Now, are extracurricular activities good? Yeah, absolutely. But are they worth going into debt? Absolutely not. Oh, boy, I know this one all too well. A dancer, a soccer player, two basketball (laughs) players. We've certainly been down that road. You have to be careful. All right, uh, what's number four, Art? And that is caring more about your child's future career than their future character. 
Often mm-hmm. the focus of our parenting is centered on getting our child into a good school or setting them up to have a good career. Those are important, but yeah. they're not the most important. The most yeah. important part of parenting, shepherding our child's heart, is difficult and time-consuming, but it's also less costly. Yeah, and the one can never make up for the other, that's for yeah. sure. All right, what's number five? It's the one that you mentioned in the beginning, wanting to give your kids what you didn't have growing up. You probably remember a time when, as a child, you didn't get something you wanted. Maybe it was a new bike. Maybe as a teenager, it was a certain car. You or your parents, they just couldn't afford it. And you remember how you felt. Now, as a parent, you don't want your child to experience those exact same feelings you had. So when they ask, they get even if the purchase requires a credit card. Oh, boy, and that's a tough one. And it leads right into the last one. We've got just 30 seconds. Yeah, that's right. Not considering how lacking something actually helped you as a kid. You remember Mm. lacking something as a kid, but do you also remember what resulted from not being able to get that item? You may have resorted to more creative play. Um, If you were a teenager, you may have gotten a job. Those moments in your childhood helped you in your growth as an individual. Now, don't you want your children to have the same opportunity? Absolutely. Boy, those are really good. And I really appreciate you stopping by, Art. Really good stuff. Thanks for having me. That was Art Rayner, faith and finance contributor. You can learn more about Art Rayner and Christian Money Solutions at christianmoneysolutions.com. All right, folks, your calls are next. 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. Are you searching for a way to become a better, faithful steward of the resources that God has given you? Well, download the FaithFi app and join the 37,000 others who are already using our app. The FaithFi app will provide you with wisdom, community, and simply help you stay on track with your finances. We have three money management options to choose from, so find an option that fits your unique needs. It's available on desktop or mobile. Simply go to faithfi.com and click app to get started. What if buying groceries, gas, or dining out could help change lives? With Christian Community Credit Union's Cards That Give to Missions, you can help spread the gospel, combat human trafficking, and protect vulnerable children with every purchase at no cost to you. Apply for your card today. More information is available at joinchristiancommunity.com. That's joinchristiancommunity.com. The Credit Union is an underwriter of this ministry. Membership eligibility required. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. This is the program where the 2300 verses on money and possessions found in God's Word intersect with today's financial decisions and choices. The number to get in on the conversation, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. We're going to begin in Miramar, Florida. Hi, Femi. Thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Good afternoon, Rob. How are you? I'm well, sir. That's good to hear. Um, I have a question. Um, I have an investor's deposit account. I've had it for about six years now, and it's not getting as much money as it is, um, as it used to. I'd probably get like around like maybe a dollar, probably a dollar and a half per month. Now it's only like 33 cents. 
I was considering um, taking that money and turning it into a precious metals account. Do you have any suggestions on which places are the best ones for that? Well, let's talk about it for a second. So how much money do you have in this account? Um, over 35000 Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing you could do, depending on the time horizon for this money, if you wanted to keep it on the ultra safe end and keep it very liquid, you could move it into a high yield savings account and at least pull in, you know, about $1,200 a year, $100 a month. I mean, there's no reason for you to be getting just a few dollars a month or a year, uh, depending on what you're earning. Uh, which sounds like it's next to nothing. You can keep FDIC insurance and complete liquidity and still earn $100 a month. But I think the first question is to step back and say, what is the time horizon for this money? And is it earmarked for a certain purpose? Is it uh, an emergency fund that you need liquid? Or is it long-term savings that you don't plan to touch for a decade or more? Um, I would say that um, right now I just... I was just saving the money. I have no idea what emergency is going to come in the future. That's exactly why I have it okay. saved up. Yeah. So and no do you have a, right a do you have a liquid emergency fund separate from this, or is this really all of your liquid savings? This would be. Well, I have this, and I have like a, a few thousand more in my checking account. All right. But that's really your funding account, your operating account, if you will. You're paying your bills out of that account, right? So that that 2000 is kind of ebbing and flowing throughout the month? Yes. All right. So my recommendation, and I'll get to your question about the gold, because certainly I want to get you a response to what you called about. But uh, the only thing I would say is, you know, we generally recommend you having an emergency fund of three to six months expenses that's liquid and stable, but earning a reasonable interest rate. So that's why I would say putting it in a high yield savings account meets that criteria, because right now you can get three and three quarters percent in a high yield online bank savings account with FDIC insurance, and it's completely liquid. Within 24 to 48 hours, if it was linked to that checking account, you could electronically move money and you're off you know, to the races with whatever you need it for. If you tie it up in gold, it's no longer liquid at that point, and it's volatile, which means it could be doing well if you had to sell it and liquidate a position because you had an unexpected expense, which is the definition of the use of uh, funds in an emergency fund, but it also could be down. You know, we've had a run in gold here and and certainly gold could sell off. And now all of a sudden you're selling it at a loss, uh, which, you know, defeats the purpose of that emergency fund. So I just might consider that as you're thinking about this, you'd take the total expenses for a month, multiply that by three or six, somewhere in that range is probably what you need to keep liquid. And I'd use an online savings account like Marcus or something like that with FDIC insurance. Now, as to the question about gold, um, if you want to buy gold, you've got a couple of options. You could buy a tracking ETF that just tracks the underlying movement of the price of gold. It's not like a mining company where you have their own sales and earnings that you have the stock moving based on, but uh, it's 
purely just tracking the movement of the precious metal. Um, so that'd be a simple way to, to buy gold, but you're not, and you're not taking physical possession. So you don't have the dealer markups. You don't have the storage. You don't have any of that. Um, if you want to take physical possession, then I'd look for either a local dealer or someone online. I'd read a, read a lot of reviews. I don't have a specific source to recommend to you, but what I would say is you need to really do your homework. I'd probably look at buying gold coins if you were going to do that, but uh, just count the cost and understand why you're getting them. Understand how liquid you need that money, especially if this is really the bulk of your uh, liquid savings. Um, and, you know, then I think go from there. Does that all make sense? It does. Okay. Excellent. We appreciate your uh, call today, sir, very much. God bless you. Uh, to Chicago. Hey, Mike, thank you for calling. Go ahead. Um, I'm seeing a lot of stuff in, in the games I play and on TV about this new stimulus package that is for older citizens. But yet when I click on it, it seems to be talking about something insurance or oriented. Is this uh, valid? Is it something worthwhile or is it really just a hoax? Yeah, it's probably right in the middle <laughs> in the sense that it's not valid in, in that it, the final federal stimulus, stimulus checks were mailed out in 2021, uh, although some states are still sending stimulus payments in 2023. Uh Illinois is one of those, so that could be it. But you may also be thinking of rebates uh, from some auto insurance companies that some people have incorrectly called stimulus checks. So auto insurers made huge money last year and have been criticized for it. Uh, some have elected to return some of that money to customers. They're all doing it differently. So, for instance, uh, Allstate is giving customers up to $600 million through its shelter-in-place paybacks program. Liberty Mutual, Nationwide, State Farm also have credits uh, or refunds that they're doing as a result of just the fact that we were sheltering in place. Nobody was driving for a period of time. Therefore, automobile accidents were way down. And so they're offsetting some of that uh, that they didn't have to pay out in claims by sending these uh, these checks that, again, some are calling stimulus checks. But there is no federal stimulus program that would be ongoing. Is that helpful? Very. Thank you. Okay, Mike, we appreciate your call today very much. Uh, let's head to Naples. Uh, hi, Tensley, go right ahead. Hi, Rob. Thanks for taking my call. I am considering renting a room to a lady from our church who's in need of a place. And before I do that, I'm just trying to figure out some of the ramifications of that, like, you know, how I would go about paying taxes on the income I am planning on having a rental agreement, but that's probably just going to be an online generic form. But, you know, what do I need in the way of additional insurance? I just want to make sure this is not going to cost me more than what, you know, it's going to bring into income for me. Yeah, makes be a sense. Headache, you know? All right, good. Well, let's do this. I'm going to ask you to hold right there. When we come back, we'll talk about that. What does it look like to rent out a room to someone? What do you do with that income from a tax standpoint? And are there any other kind of best practices that you need to know? This is Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We've got a few lines open today. If you have a question, when we come back from this break, we'll be tackling those. The number to call is 800-525-7000. Again, that's 800 525 7000 By the way, 
way, if you haven't checked out our website, our Faith Fi community is alive and well. People are posting questions and ideas and thoughts every day. We'd love for you to jump in and get involved in the conversation with other stewards. Faithfi.com forward slash community. We'll be right back. Stay with us. We're grateful for support from Movement Mortgage, who provides residential home loans in all 50 states. Guided by a mission to love and value people and a goal to redefine the mortgage process, Movement seeks to help others achieve their financial goals. You can find out more at movement.com faith. Movement Mortgage LLC supports equal housing opportunity, NMLS number 39179. For licensing information, please visit nmlsconsumeraccess.org. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance Program. For more than 30 years, they've been helping Christians reach their financial goals with step-by-step guidance for investors at every stage, from those just getting started to those getting ready for retirement. Through scriptural principles and practical suggestions, SMI offers financial wisdom for living well. More information, including the short video webinar on profit and peace of mind, no matter what's happening in the market, is available at soundmindinvesting.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, your host. We're taking your calls and questions today on anything financial. Just before the break, we were talking to Tenley in Naples. She's consider uh, considering renting out a room to someone in need, and she's wondering if there's a legal procedure to follow. So just to clarify, Tenley, you do you know this person, um, and you have reason to believe this is somebody that would be a, a suitable renter in your case? Yes, uh, my pastor actually recommended her. She's a member of my church, so I, I've known her, and he recommended it. So I feel comfortable with that. Okay, got it. All right, so then at that point, uh, you know, that's half the battle you know, in terms of making sure you're ready for this. Um, you do need a landlord policy um, that you would you would want to talk to your insurance agent about. Beyond that, you're going to want to, you mentioned about the taxes. You know, if you rent out a room in your house, the same rules apply to you as they do for a landlord who rents out an entire property. All of the rent received is considered taxable income and you have to report it to the IRS. But as a landlord, you're allowed a number of deductions that enable you to either completely or partially offset the rental income. In the case where you're just renting out a room and that is just a piece of your primary residence. You can, of course, only deduct expenses that pertain to that portion that's rented or the percentage of the property, if you will, that's uh, allocated toward, you know, what is the the rental room. So, for instance, you, you couldn't deduct the whole amount of utilities. You would just have to take a prorated portion. So, you're going to want a CPA who can help you with that. Beyond that, you're going to want to, you know, write a lease to make sure you understand, um, you know, that it's clearly spelled out what the, the rules of the uh, arrangement are and, you know, what the um, that you're protecting yourself, but also clearly defining what is and is not permissible when the rent payment needs to be made, pet policies, uh, is there, you know, a sharing of the utilities, access to common living spaces. I mean, you're going to want some help with that. You can either check with a, a realtor who specializes in rentals and perhaps pay them for their time, or you could talk to a real estate attorney to help you draft something up. But, you know, I think those are the big ideas. I mean, if this was somebody who was unknown to you, you'd want to rent 
final application and you'd want to do a background check and a, a screening and that type of thing. But I think the big idea for you is to create that that lease so everything is documented. There's a clear procedure for not only how they'd come in, but under what under what conditions they'd have to leave and then spell out just kind of all of the the various pieces and parts of this and think through kind of how you're going to approach the common areas. But I think getting some counsel to set this up, both from a tax standpoint as well as a legal standpoint, so you're protected, but also so there's just clarity in communication is going to be really key. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, Good info. All the best to you. Thanks for calling the program today. Uh, To Round Lake, Illinois. Hi, Craig. Go right ahead, sir. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me on. I'm delighted to. Hey, um, thank you. Um, So I have a Roth IRA that I established uh, about three years ago now. It's about $15,000 in it. And um, the first question I have, uh, I was having lunch with my grandpa last week, and he he said that I may have to pay capital gains tax uh, on that when I go to eventually retire. And um, is that true? Uh, on what? On the I bonds or on the Roth IRA? On what? Uh, on the Roth IRA. No. Uh-uh. So the way a Roth works is you're putting in after-tax dollars. Uh, so you receive the income in whatever form, you pay the tax on it, and then you contribute that after-tax money. And as long as that money's in that Roth for at least five years, when you begin pulling it out, at any time you can get your original contributions back, whatever you put into it, because you've already paid the tax on it, the government would gladly give it back to you. But anything that is uh, appreciation, whatever the profits and interest and dividends you have that have been accumulating inside that Roth, that all comes out tax-free so long as you're over 59 and a half and as long as it's been open for at least five years. You're not going to pay any tax on that. That's really the beauty of the Roth IRA. Awesome. And then I had one other follow-up question, uh, being that, you know, I-bonds are a little more lucrative now than, you know, just the general stock market. Um is there any way for me to set aside $10,000 from my Roth IRA and put it into an I-bond? But I, quite honestly, I think you answered my question, being that it has to be in there for a minimum of five years. I haven't reached that five-year milestone yet, so... Well, you could, you know, the account has to be open for five years. Uh, you can take out your original contributions at any time. So if you'd contributed more than 10000 along the way, you'd be able to get that out penalty-free, and that wouldn't harm you in any way. I, I wouldn't recommend it, though, and here's why. Uh, you know, the beauty of the Roth IRA is long-term compounded growth, and I think the very best way to grow that is in a properly diversified stock and bond portfolio. Uh, the I-bonds uh, are attractive right now, they're not going to be long-term. You'd have to take the money out of the Roth because you can't invest in an I-bond through a retirement account. And now you've given up the benefit of the Roth, which is that that shelter, if you will, that's going to allow that money to grow on a tax-free basis. The I-bond is eventually going to revert back to returns that are not very attractive because the Fed, the Federal Reserve, is laser-focused on getting interest rates back down as close to their 2% target as possible.
possible as they do. And as inflation drops, the com- the composite rate of those I bonds is going to drop with it. So yeah, it's at 6.87 right now. And if you invested in it tomorrow, you'd get six months and then you'd get the new rate, which we know in May. Um, and it'll be lower, although it'll probably still be attractive. But if we're talking Roth IRA money, that's money that we're typically thinking about in terms of decades. And if you're looking out decades, I'd much rather you be in stocks and bonds inside a Roth than outside of a Roth in an I-bond. Hope that's helpful to you. Uh, To Copley, Ohio, uh, Paul, thank you for calling. Go ahead. Hey, Rob, I got a question for you. I'm 65 and I have a term life insurance policy for $250,000. And I see these ads about they'll buy your term life insurance policy for a cash amount. And I I don't really need the policy. I mean, it expires, I think, when I'm 80. And do you think, are those things real or is it worth looking into? Yeah, I'm I'm just... Yeah. Here's the thing. I mean, you're, you're going to get such a little amount. I mean, you typically get somewhere between 10 and 35% uh, of the amount that you would receive uh, at death. And, um, you know, it's just usually not worth it. If you don't need the policy, I'd probably, uh, and if it's about to expire, it's going to be far less than that even. So it really is for a policy that has a good bit of time left on it. Um, and if that's the case, typically you need that death benefit, which is why you have it in the first place. Otherwise, you just let it go. So uh, I'm not a big fan of this. I don't see many cases where it works out to your benefit. Uh, so I'd probably pass on it if it were me. But it's a great question, Paul, and I know they do a lot of advertising. Thanks for being on the show today. I hope you'll make plans to join us again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.